1: Hello, Texas. I hope you are bundled up because it's cold and it's getting colder. Thanks so much for joining us for Texas Ag Today. I'm your host, Kerry Martin, along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture, covering all of this frigid Texas country right now from the piney woods of East Texas out to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos and from the very cold panhandle down to the Rio
0: Grande Valley. Here in the Texas High Plains, with grazing lands compromised by drought conditions, keeping cattle nourished is a challenge this season. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. Corn planting in the
2: Rio Grande Valley as agricultural activity picks up in the next several weeks in the southernmost region of the state. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today.
3: After a wet, dreary winter, we get anxious about our warm season perennial pastures and hay meadows. We're going to talk about the right time to fertilize. I'm Dr. Vanessa Olson from Overton.
1: We'll have those stories, plus the latest news from Washington, Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets all coming up. We now know which Texas lawmakers will serve on the committees assigned to consider legislation important to agriculture and rural Texas. Jessica Domo reports.
4: State Representative Dwayne Burns will chair the House Agriculture and Livestock Committee. Representative Charles Doc Anderson is vice chair. Seniority appointments have been given to Anderson and Representatives Ernest Bales and John Sirier. Speaker appointments have been given to Representatives Cheryl Cole, Ryan Guillen, Abel Herrero, John Rosenthal, and Steve Toth. The Senate Committee on Water, Agriculture, and Rural Affairs will be chaired by Senator Charles Perry. Senator Drew Springer is the vice chair. Members include Senators Brandon Creighton, Sarah Eckhart, Roland Gutierrez, Nathan Johnson, Lois Kolkhorst, Beverly Powell, and Larry Taylor. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm
1: Jessica Dolmull. Cotton prices continue to climb following yesterday's USDA monthly supply and demand report. The size of the 2020 crop was left unchanged at 14.95 million bales, but exports were increased to 15.5 million, and that caused ending stocks to fall to 4.3 million bales. Cotton market analyst OA Cleveland says with stocks this tight, we could see a run to the $1 range, maybe higher.
2: I'm somewhere between 96 cents and a dollar 9 cents. On old crop. Uh, I, I'll say cents, but there are a few little things that fall into place. But uh, I think $0.96 cents is in the cards.
1: And his reason behind that forecast is simple. There's just not much old crop cotton out there.
2: It's not even cotton grow grower hands to speak of. We were all selling cotton at $0.70, cents, at $0.76, cents, because the crop then was still 17.8, 18 million bales, according to USDA. And I think USDA, unfortunately, just took a month or two months off and did not vigorously pursue the size of the U.S. crop. And that's what has has me so upset about USDA, because there would have been less grower selling back then, uh, and there would be more
5: available for these prices.
1: Cotton Market Analyst, OA Cleveland. Keeping cattle nourished is a challenge in the Texas High Plains right now, thanks to the lingering drought.
0: James Hunt reports from Amarillo. One consequence of the very dry conditions that have plagued much of our region over the past year or so is that our grazing lands have declined, and that means area cattle raisers find themselves going the supplemental route a little bit more this winter. Texas A&M AgriLife beef cattle specialist Jason Smith tells us, unfortunately, supplementation is bearing a fairly hefty price tag.
5: We've seen incredibly high grain prices. We've seen the ingredients that are typically either directly fed as a supplemental feedstuff or used to manufacture commercial supplemental feedstuff. For a lot of those ingredients, we've seen them skyrocket over the past six to eight months.
0: And Dr. Smith says ranchers who want hay may need to put in some extra effort to find it due to tighter supplies.
5: The thing I would encourage people to keep in the back of their minds is that just because it's not available five miles down the road does not mean that it isn't available or you can't get access to it.
0: But despite the obstacles, Dr. Smith encourages ranchers to consult their nutritionist on what will work best for their operation and avoid skimping on quality.
5: From a supplemental feedstuff standpoint, I think it's very important that we're basing our decisions on value and not just retail price.
0: Dr. Smith also says the current circumstances are another reason to contemplate some strategic herd reduction.
5: The reality is that those open females or those non-productive females consume a lot, and they are very expensive to maintain. And so one of the ways that we can help to extend some of those forage resources, help minimize some of those supplemental feeding costs, and from a genetic standpoint, help move our herd in the right direction would be identifying those that just are not a great fit, moving them on down
0: the road. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.
1: Planters have been rolling in the Rio Grande Valley. Tom
2: Nicoletti takes a look. For today's program, we go to the Rio Grande Valley, where Jim Hearn is reporting for us. Jim, thanks for being with us, and it is corn planting time in your region of the state. Well, thank you, Tom. It's a pleasure to be visiting with you today. Yes, uh, the planters are rolling here across the valley. Uh, First of all, we'll be planting corn, then grain sorghum, and cotton. Now, we'll hopefully get all of the grain sorghum in by mid-March, and uh, shortly after that, then we'll finish up with all the cotton. Now, right now, uh, we're looking at uh, row crops that have been bedded up, the cropland bedded up, uh, pre-plant fertilizer has been applied, now, because of our short water supply in most of the ground this year, we're going to be watering up the crop, which we really haven't had to do in the last couple of years. But uh, this year is going to be the exception because we have been relatively dry. Now we're seeing, um, you know, a lot of water usage right now going into vegetables, going into sugarcane, going into citrus. Uh, citrus, uh, the harvest continues there quite active. Uh, grapefruit prices have been very high this year due to the short demand that was caused by we lost so much fruit last year with hurricane hannah and the young fruit a lot of it ended up on the ground a total loss but we're seeing uh, we're seeing quite a rebound and uh, right now the orange harvest has been quite active uh grapefruit harvest has been quite active so Valley agriculture right now really, really moving at a fast pace. On the corn planting, uh, Jim, of course, uh, farmers there are pretty much relying on irrigation. Well, most of our, yeah, most of our corn... Um, is uh, is white corn. Uh, we don't do a lot of the yellow corn anymore. Uh, that corn will be going into the food market for tortillas and other food products, uh, corn chips and things like that. And uh, yeah, we'll we'll be planting that. And soil temperatures can be a little cooler, a little more forgiving on the on corn planting, where grain sorghum and cotton, those soil temperatures need to be somewhat higher. We'll probably have about um, oh about three more weeks, uh, maybe of the corn planting. Uh, we'll be looking at uh, possibly the sorghum, probably starting here in about ten days to two weeks. So we'll be looking at in a quite active pace now uh, for say the next month and a half. All right, thank you, Jim, for that report. All right, Tom, always a pleasure. That again is Jim Hearn reporting for us today from the Texas Rio Grande Valley. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.
1: All of this cold, dreary weather this week can get you to longing for beautiful, warm-season pastures. Dr. Vanessa Olson says it's not too early to prepare for those summer pastures and hay meadows.
3: First and foremost, soil test. If you have not done so for this year, please consider obtaining a soil test now. The soil test is the first step in efficient fertilizer use and improved forage production. Samples should be collected annually for hay meadows and every two to three years for pastures. For soil test forms and bags, contact your local county extension office. Warm season perennial grasses such as Bahia grass or Bermuda grass green up when nighttime temperatures remain above 60 degrees Fahrenheit for several days in the spring and soil temperature reaches 65 degrees at the four inch depth. For Bermuda grass or Bahia grass to utilize any fertilizer, it should be applied after greenup and as active growth begins. Applying any fertilizer prior to this results in the utilization of nutrients by any volunteer ryegrass and/or any cool-season broadleaf weeds. Usually, the most limiting nutrient in Bermuda grass production is nitrogen. Nitrogen is vital to plants for optimum growth. Deficiencies of nitrogen appear as pale green color in the plants very poor growth and yield, and low protein. The optimum nitrogen rate for a situation is dependent upon a producer's goals. Bermuda grass removes relatively large amounts of phosphate and potash when harvested for hay. Bermuda grass hay removes 14 pounds of phosphate and 42 pounds of potash per ton of hay. Phosphorus is vital for developing a healthy root system and reaching optimum yield. Potassium is essential in plants to combat diseases and aid in water use. Deficiencies of potassium can cause both yield losses and stand losses. Bermuda grass is especially sensitive to potassium deficiencies. Many producers have lost Bermuda grass fields as a result of a potassium deficiency. Levels of nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium applied should be based on soil test recommendations as well as match farm goals. This is Dr. Vanessa Olson reporting from East Texas with Texas Ag
4: Today. Jawbone research could help control growing axis deer populations. I'm Jessica Duhlmull and I'll explain on Texas Ag Today.
1: And a Canadian company has developed a feed ingredient to help reduce methane emissions from cattle. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd takes a closer look at that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. FFA Week is February 20th through the 27th, a week set aside for FFA students across the country to share how FFA impacts members every day. I'm National FFA Secretary Anna Mathis from Arkansas. Because FFA and agricultural education prepare students for careers, leadership, and the ability to face what the future holds, the FFA impact is profound. Share your FFA stories during hashtag FFA Week.
0: We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today.
1: Cattle often get unfairly blamed by environmentalists for emitting methane into the environment, but science shows that it's really not that much. But nonetheless, there's a Canadian company out there that has developed a feed ingredient to help reduce methane emissions from cattle. Dr. Bob Judd has more.
6: The Canadian company indicates their feed ingredients will decrease methane emissions by 70% without negative effects on animal health, performance parameters, and carcass characteristics. This amount of reduction of the greenhouse gas emissions is comparable to taking 500 cars off the road for one year. The trial was conducted by a Canadian research consortium in Alberta. As 70% of Canada's cattle production happens in Alberta, and as 15,000 herd were involved in the trial, this was the largest methane trial conducted. The feed ingredient that causes the decrease in methane is a chemical called 3-NOP, and the product demonstrated it is effective in backgrounding and finishing operations. The project evaluated the relative effects of feeding the product on methane reduction and feedlot performance, health and carcass quality outcomes in feedlot cattle, typically fed North American finishing diets that are usually corn and barley based, as well as high forage diets. Measurements found that on average, 70% methane emission reduction was found when the feed ingredient was provided in steam flaked, or dry rolled barley. Reduction in enteric methane-feeding stem-flaked corn-based diets was 31 to 80 percent. The leader of the project indicates that compared to regular feed mixes, the inclusion of the product 3-NOP in the diet has resulted in real, permanent, and quantifiable reductions in methane. The only concern is the cost of 3-NOP and its affordability in feeding it to large herds of cattle, as this was not mentioned in the publication. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.
1: Research on jawbones could help control the growing axis deer population here in Texas. Jessica Domel explains in today's wildlife report.
4: This month, hunters, trappers, and landowners can help control the free-ranging axis deer population by dropping off full frozen axis deer jawbones at one of several drop-off points. It's all part of an Axis deer control project hosted by the Hill Country Alliance and Texas Tech University's Department of Natural Resources Management. Matt Buchholz, Ph.D. research assistant at Texas Tech says the jawbones will be used to support research to improve control of free-ranging axis deer.
1: Through a method of aging, we're trying to develop a technique to do a field-based estimate of age. With that technique in the future, we can gain more data about how axis deer populations may grow with specific reproductive efficiency at different ages, specific mortality at different ages, And with that, we can build population models that will help to assess how the population may grow and in the future, how it might continue to impact native wildlife and habitat.
4: Axis deer are not native to Texas. They were brought to the state from India in the 1930s. Some Axis deer are raised under high fences, but that is not what this project targets. The focus here is exclusively on the growing free-ranging population. The next drop-off for the project is Wednesday at the Gillespie County AgriLife Extension Office in Fredericksburg from 8 a.m. to noon and 1 to 5 p.m. There will be a drop-off Friday at the Bandera County River Authority in Bandera from 1 to 3 p.m. Project managers say they are not able to connect hunters with landowners in the affected regions. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Dommel.
1: It was a mixed day in the cattle complex on Wednesday with live cattle closing lower, feeder cattle closed higher. But boy, we really saw the air get let out of the cotton and grain markets. We'll take a complete look at the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today.
6: National FFA Week is February 20th through the 27th, and FFA students across the country will be sharing their stories. I'm Doster Harper, president of the National FFA Organization, and I'm from the state of Georgia. National FFA Week is a time to share what FFA is and the impact it has on members every day. And because FFA and agricultural education prepare students for careers, leadership, and the ability to face what the future holds, that impact is profound. Share your FFA stories during hashtag FFA Week.
0: We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag today.
1: Another mixed day of trading in the cattle complex on Wednesday. Live cattle ended up closing lower, but a dropping grain market caused the feeder cattle market to move higher. February live cattle down a dollar thirty-two, closing at one sixteen twelve. The April down $1. a dollar 70 June live cattle down fifty-two cents, one nineteen twelve. On the feeder cattle side, March feeders up 85 cents, 139.50, April feeder cattle up 32 at 143.50, May feeders up 35 cents, 145.42. The cash fed cattle market quiet out in the country on Wednesday. The feedlots asking 116 and higher this week. No bids reported from the packers. We did have the online fed cattle exchange selling on Wednesday. There were 1,104 head of Texas cattle offered in that sale, 518 of them sold at 114. Boxed beef prices mixed, choice down $1.38, $232.91, select up $1.97, $222.70. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. When you hear cattle
6: in the alleyway on a Wednesday, it's time to talk to Riley Rhodes. He sold cattle at Live Oak Livestock on Monday. Riley, tell us how many noses did you count?
7: I turned out good, Larry. Ended up with a few more than uh, what... Anticipating, had 1,388 total receipts. Called the market on the cows, fully steady, had the same number on the rail on the cows, uh, packer cows and bulls. And calf market, a lightweight, better end of the lightweight calves were higher again by two to four, I thought, but good quality ones. Everything else kind of sold steady. With last week, some of the bigger cattle, especially crossbred cattle, might have been a little lower. But overall, was a good sale. We had a few pairs, brought from 800 to 1250. Some red cows, 625 to 1,000. Packer cows, like I said, they were steady with last week, 58 to 68 on your high-yielding cows. 54 to 60 on your bakers, 32 to 48 on your canners. Packer bulls, 86 to 90 on your high-yielding bulls, 70 to 86 on low-to-medium-yielding bulls, 2 to 3-weight choice steers, 176 to 196. Heifer mates, 146 to 168. 3 to 4-weight choice steers, 164 to 186. Heifer mates, 136 to 156. 4 to 5-weight choice steers, 158 to 182. Heifer mates, 136 to 150. Five to six weight choice steers one forty eight to one seventy two heifer mates one twenty six to 140. 6 to seven weight choice steers one thirty two to one forty four heifer mates one eighteen to one twenty eight and the seven to eight weight choice steers one twenty two to one thirty six and the heifers one sixteen to one twenty six so pleased with it you know there was a, a little bit of hesitation because of the bad weather coming up up north a few people were not quite as active due to that you know the next few days supposed to get pretty nasty up north of us in the panhandle but other than that well, I thought it was a good active market tell everybody how to get a hold of you Riley three six one eight one three 36650 is the cell, Three six one seven eight six two five five three is the office, uh, liveoaklivestock.com is the web.
6: Neighbor, I'm Larry Marble. I've been speaking with Riley Rhodes from Live Oak Livestock Three Rivers, and that's it for today's edition of Walking the Pins on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.
1: Now back over to the futures market where lean hogs closed higher. February up 95 cents, 73.55. April hogs up $1.45, 81.82. Class 3 milk was slightly higher. February milk up 4 cents, 15.52 100 weight. March milk up 3, 16.34. A big drop in the cotton market as traders seem to think that the bullish USDA supply and demand report released on Tuesday just wasn't quite bullish enough to support prices at these high levels. March cotton down 226 points, closing at 84.67. The May contract down 195 points, 86.18. New crop December cotton down 113 points, 82.54. A big drop in the grain markets. Very fresh little news in the wheat market to keep prices moving higher. So we saw a big drop. Of course, there's always the concern of what this weather is doing to the wheat crop. But right now, uh, not a whole lot to prop up prices. We close with July Kansas City wheat down seventeen and three quarters, six twenty one and a half. July Chicago wheat down eleven and a half. 629 and a half that usda supply and demand report on tuesday was fairly bearish for the corn market and that bearish weight continued in the market on wednesday march corn dropping 21 and three quarters 534 and a half september corn down 11 and a quarter 471 the december down seven and three quarters 448 a bushel Let's check the energy markets now. March natural gas up 13 cents, 297. March crude oil up 15 at 58.51 a barrel. The financial markets mix. The Dow Jones Industrial Average up 47 points, 31,423. The NASDAQ down 42 at 13,966. The S&P 500 down 4, 3,908. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up another edition of Texas Ag Today. And speaking of wrapping up, well, wrap up, stay warm, and be right back here tomorrow for more of the latest news in Texas agriculture. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you then.